1: So that is a wrap-up for Jaden Greathouse, who has now committed to Notre Dame, big-time commit. Notre Dame is now back to number one in the recruiting rankings on Rivals, now back to number one on the 247 composite and 247 list. They already were number one with ESPN, so uh, they are number one everywhere. You know, the only everywhere except on three, but now that I I look at it, I, I think that they're still behind, but yes, they're still behind. Ohio State on, on three who has a very weird ranking system, but they're on the other ones that are a little bit more normal. They are now back to having the number one class. So let's move on to the mailbag. We have a ton, a ton, a ton of great questions. Uh, a lot of super chats. I do want to get to some of these super chats here real quick to start. Salty Virginia Peanuts is in a very, very good mood today. We showed him a little bit of love. I had to, I had to get him, you know, mentioned to Jaden Greathouse because nobody talks about Jaden Greathouse more than salty virginia pennies he goes love this day love the work ib love the ib family it's a great day in the house buddy i appreciate that super chat very very much um and uh, appreciate all your support and uh just being with us every day morning show night show all of it we really we really really appreciate that john Daunt with a super chat it says, Hi IB. I absolutely love the content and really appreciate what you guys do for us fans. You are welcome and thank you for the super chat. Just moved to Dallas and cannot wait to see these Texas players firsthand. Huge pickups. Go Irish, hashtag Freeman era. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna get a chance to watch some really good football this year, man. There's no question about that. And 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 we have a lot of Ryan, we have a lot of Jaden Greathouse questions, and yep. I'm gonna try to get as many of those as I can out of the way now. But we have a lot of other questions from that are not related to him. And if you have questions, now's the time. So we're, we're now starting our mailbag. This is now the Notre Dame mailbag. So, uh, you know, throw those in there, and we'll certainly dive into those. But I want to get to some of these Jaden Greathouse ones first, uh, at least some of the, the Jaden Greathouse Super Chats. So uh, I, I just had to get this one out. Christopher Moore, keep up the great work, guys. Just joined the boards last Friday. Uh, hashtag Michigan can suck it is his name on the message board. I did actually see that. Uh, I did actually see that should have joined a long time ago. It's awesome. Great. Info. Hey, look, buddy, there's ne- there's never a too late to join, right? As long as you join, uh, it's all about moving forward, right? We need to worry about, uh, what's behind us, but appreciate the super chat and, and all, and, uh, obviously joining the message board, Joe custom with another super chat. Thank you, Joe. Thanks for the great coverage, fellas. You're welcome. Uh, could you please rank the four receivers? James Flores, Great House, and Hannifin by floor, and then again by ceiling. This is a really good one. Now, of course, Ron Hannifin has not committed Notre Dame yet. Notre Dame yep. is still working to get him. But to assume that they get him. This is going to be a very interesting conversation. So, Ryan, I'll go ahead and yep. let you start. Uh, we'll okay. go. We'll both give our floors first, sure, and then we'll give our ceilings. So, I'm okay, stick so, it off.
2: Yeah, floor. I would go. Jaden Great House, number one, top mm-hmm. floor. Number two gets a little tricky, man. I guess, ah. Number two, I I would actually I would say that I would go with Braylon James. I think his floor mm-hmm. is a little higher than maybe I put out there. Sometimes I would go Rico Flores, and then I would go Ronan Hannafin, I think, but yeah. I mean that's that's it's it's like pull, pull, it's like pulling teeth, man, because. Like, I, I don't think Hannafin has a low floor necessarily. I, I think that Flores also just has a pretty good floor. You know, like, I think there's some floor in this conversation, personally. But.
1: So you went, you went floor. You went great house one, James two, Flores, Flores three, and Hannafin four. Okay. Interesting. Yes. For yes. me, for floor, I'm going great house one, Hannafin mm-hmm. two, James, uh, Flores three, and James four. Wow. Uh, just because I think, I think Braylon has the most work to do as a player. Ceiling, Braylon. Exact opposite. One. Yeah. Braylon's one. Uh, I'd go Ronan two. Great House three. Flores four. We have we have the same. We, we have the same yeah. ceiling. We have yeah. the same ceiling. Yeah. Yeah. Braylon James definitely has the highest ceiling of of, of them. I think I think it's uh, it's closer now with Hannafin and Great House than I had it before. But Hannifin still has the higher ceiling. And it really, ceilings a lot of times just comes down to your athletic potential and i think mm-hmm. that's ultimately where that's ultimately where where to me was was always a, a bit of my hang up for great house uh, was that right there it, it was yeah. it was the the, the ceiling it was you know it was the explosiveness i think james and Hannafin are both elite athletes i, I really do I agree i think Hannifin. i think great house is a really good receiver and and a ceiling is essentially everybody maxes out their potential I'll say this. I think I think I have more confidence that Jaden Greathouse is going to get to his ceiling than anybody else in the class. And I'd probably put Rico number two in that. I, okay. I, and I think you could argue that Rico might get to his ceiling more than anybody else. Uh, he's the only one that could compete with Jaden Greathouse. But if you're just looking at the ceilings, that's how it'd rank it. That's a really good question, Joe, by the way. I re- I really enjoy those. So thank you for that. Griff Weedler uh thank you for the super chat griff don't get to catch the live show much but today is a great day love what you guys are doing and looking forward to meeting everyone at the cal game yeah me too uh, ryan i don't think you do you, have you made plans yet for games this year for home Just games not-
2: just Marshall so far. Okay, because
1: I knew you okay. and Joe were kind of both going to be at those two games. I wasn't sure which one was going to be at which. I couldn't remember.
2: I, th- I think Joe's going gonna, to be. be at Cal, I think.
1: Yeah, because yeah. I think I saw you said you're going to miss by a week, but I didn't remember if it was you were going to be at Cal and he's going to be at Marshall or the other way around. Right. So look yep. forward, looking very much looking forward to it, Griff. Very much looking forward to it. Uh, Ryan, this will be more for you. Uh, mm-hmm. Will Chosanek asks, uh, he, his comparison for Jaden Greathouse is A.J. Brown. How would you so, how would you nail, talk about that one? I,
2: I don't I don't hate it, Will. I, I think there's some like I of cause I think the similarities are that they're both like physically well put together guys, right? They both have the yak thing to their profile, right? Like they break a ton of tackles. I think AJ is a little more explosive though than yeah. Jaden, but I think Jaden is more smooth, if that makes sense. Like I think he has a I think Jaden at the same age is just a better He's a better route runner, just kind of like pure wide receiver, but AJ is a more explosive athlete yeah. than a than a um Jaden Greathouse, personally. Yep.
1: Um that's I'm right there with you. It's exactly my thoughts on that one. I think this is the one maybe you're asking about Ryan. Fighting Irish says, don't you see him, Jaden Greathouse, uh, getting big enough to be similar to Tommy Trumbull or not? I I don't see that. I don't see him being yeah. a 240-pound guy. Not not if he's a good, if his weight is good. Yes. You know, uh if he if he's if he's got good weight, I think two twenty. Yeah, is probably about as big. I don't think he's gonna add a ton of weight onto what he is now.
2: No, I, I think I think I think you're just gonna maintain it and just increase the flexibility, Reshape right? Like it. I think that's right. yeah, exactly. Like I I, yeah. I don't think he's gonna stray much more than 215, 220, because he's two ten right. right now and he's like he's right. dense right now, right? Like he's like I, I don't think you want to put a ton more weight on him,
1: right? Because then you start having diminishing returns. Right. Yep. Guy gets too big. He gets, he loses flexibility. Your body's only meant to handle so much weight and everybody's is yeah. different before you, you have diminishing returns. And and this is true of even if it's good weight, if it's just a bunch of muscle, mm-hmm. you can lose explosiveness. You can lose speed, flexibility. And that's part of what makes a great strength program is they know the difference. And uh, you know, that's kind of where we go and what we we'll get we have super sticker from kirk roberts thank you very much for the super sticker kirk we appreciate that great super last sti- name yes uh, didn't know if like it was like your cousin or something like that he lost a bet nope. and he had to pay you super sticker no relation. No relation uh john pertucci thank you john for your super sticker as well we appreciate both you guys matt d uh, his super chat says we have now surpassed bk's best class in points his 2013 class that had twenty three commits with our twentieth commit in two thousand twenty three. So he's saying, even at just twenty, Notre Dame has now more points on the two four seven composite board than any Notre Dame class Brian Kelly ever had, and they're not done yet. And there are three people less. Yeah, uh, that's impressive because that class had several five stars. I mean, you are talking about that class had Jalen Smith in it, mm-hmm. you know, Greg Bryant. Now the one thing is that class I think would have still been higher. Matt, you maybe correct me if I am wrong when if you include Eddie VanderDose who actually did sign with Notre Dame, you know? Right. So like, if you were looking at it on signing day, I wonder if that class would still be higher, but the point is that's impressive because they're going to get three more guys. And yeah. you, you look at the guys that they have, and that's, um, that's, that's a really good place to be. Mm-hmm. So now, now we're gonna start diving into some other questions, team related questions, some other recruiting questions. So we've kind of gotten a lot of those. We'll still answer some great questions if they come, but we'll get into some other ones. Trip Bergen. I had a question Ryan. He says, you guys mentioned that Notre Dame will have 26 to 27 players in 23 uh, with them being at 19 now. And of course, great house has since committed and, and realistically great house, love Hannafin, Osborne and QB on the board. Who else will they go after? just want to make sure we're clear on one thing, Ryan. We said they can and would like to get to 26 and 27, which included right. a fifth defensive lineman. Uh, it included trying to get a fifth DB. It included trying to potentially have a fifth receiver. Those were wants, not needs. Right. I think 23 to 24 gets them to fit it, meeting all of their needs numbers wise. So I just want to make sure you understand what they could get to and, and what they that they had. They, they they had to get, to, get or, to or, you know, that right. was more of it if they land everybody. So just want to make sure we're sure. Clear on that. But anyway, yeah. Ryan, uh, besides that list, you want to kind of talk about kind of what's next for Notre
2: yeah. Yeah. I mean, so you hit it obviously with a uh, trip, you know, Hannafin is obviously the finishing touch, hopefully at wide receiver for Notre Dame. Jeremiah love is the running back offensive line recruiting. Seems like it's done. Defensive line recruiting is most likely done unless something changes. I think they're going to be okay with taking for the, the four ranked class though. Osbury is a player quarterback of course I would say a couple other players that we still need to keep in mind is we know that the commitment is going to drag out a little bit but Notre Dame is still recruiting at Samuel and Pemba and they intend to take that one into the fall so Mm -hmm. that could be your fifth defensive lineman or stick him at rover whatever you want to call him That Mm -hmm. that's your athlete on defense and then they're talking to other Players like the his name's Minich, right? That's ben coming Minich to come yeah. on on the uh, on the twenty sixth, he'll be on campus. Who I know they're doing their homework on. It's not definite that he'll be in the class or he'll even push for him, but they're doing the homework, and so he's a guy just to keep an eye on. And then uh, always. I- Good. I was going to say, and then always when you get into the evaluation period of the season, who blows mm-hmm. up, who takes a step forward, who do we get in contact with, who was not on our radar, like all those things will kind of work itself out. So I still think 25 is a, is a reasonable number to get yeah. to.
1: And I, we both believe, and that's what I was going to say, Ryan, we both believe yeah. that they'll get a quarterback. So they're 20 now. Obviously you're trying to get Love and Hannafin, Allsbury, they get you to 23, a quarterback gets you to 24. Yeah, And so if guys break out, if there's other aspects, then yes, you could grow to it. They're not going to force. I guess, my point I was saying at the beginning, Ryan, was they're not going to force their way to 27 just to get to 27. That's, that's, they're not going to do that. And, but they would, they, they can get to 27. And that was, that was kind of always something they were working towards. And then, uh, Brandon, I'm looking for your super chat. I'll, I'll bring it up as soon as I find it. I, I do not have it starred. So I, I will get to that when I, when I find it for sure. Here's a one. Here's a team question uh, from Gideon Rosa. A couple safety questions mixed into one. Compare Brandon Joseph's game versus Kyle Hamilton's, how they are similar or different, and compare Caleb Downs versus Peyton Woodyard, in which you would rather have signed to Notre Dame. It's
2: interesting. So let's take the first
1: one. Peyton, yeah. uh, uh, Brandon
2: Joseph against Kyle Hamilton. How are they similar and how are they different? They. Are not very similar in any way, if I'm being completely honest, in my opinion. I mean, I, I think there's some proactiveness to both players. Like, I think they both have a good feel for the game. But otherwise, I mean, Kyle Hamilton, 6'4, 220 pounds guy that you're going to work too high, rotate him down, come in the box. Brandon Joseph's your true, like, free safety, good to play on the roof, could also do some stuff in the slot for man-to-man coverage at points, too. But he's more a guy that you want to work from depth, while Kyle Hamilton's more a guy that you want closer to the line of scrimmage in the best aspects of his game. So I would say the biggest differences for me, Brian, are Brandon Joseph's true free safety type. Kyle Hamilton's kind of versatile, more like a strong safety Mm -hmm. type in a traditional defense. So I think they're quite a bit different.
1: And then the second part of that, Caleb Downs and Peyton Woodyard, how you compare and which you have. I honestly think what you just said about Joseph and Hamilton could also be exactly what you say about Dan, Downs and Woodyard.
2: Yeah, no, it's fair. I mean, so Peyton Woodyard, if I start with him, of course, the 2024 safety out of St. John Bosco, he's a physical dude, man. Like he will come down and he will smack you and he's an explosive player, too. Caleb Downs is a little different where I think Caleb's a little more loose. He's a little more versatile. He can play from depth a little more. He's kind of more of your versatile all-around safety. While I think Peyton is definitely better coming towards line of scrimmage, but Peyton's also, I think he's a little more better from depth than like a Kyle Hamilton was coming out of high school. So a little bit of similarities there for the fact that I think both are sufficient coming from depth and they both have solid frames. But I think Caleb just has more of an all-around profile right now than Woodyard does. But Woodyard's also Only coming off his sophomore year, so he can obviously
3: develop.
1: And I'll say this. He's further along as a sophomore than his cousin was as a sophomore. He's not where Kyle was as a junior and and definitely not as a senior uh, because I had Kyle Hamilton as a five-star player as as a junior, but he was not that guy as a sophomore. Peyton's ahead of where Kyle was as a sophomore. Now, again, that doesn't mean a hill hill of beans because guys project differently. And I think the fact that Kyle comes from a basketball background, meaning his dad was like a six-foot-seven basketball player, he had a different (laughs) body type. Yeah. right and so that that kind of factors into it but but he's ahead where i think payton's a little bit more physically advanced kind of looked like a guard like a like i mean like a shooting guard for much of his high school career meaning like long gangly you know uh skinny Looked like a basketball player more than a football player to be honest with you and then of course he eventually filled out but uh Sure yeah, he, he's really good. I did Brandon. I did find your super chat. Brandon Pleasantner says, "When Great House originally was offered, I thought Notre Dame was too late to the party and had no chance. This is huge! What a great job by staff. #Hashtag Gap Closer. He is definitely a gap closer, and it makes this recruiting receiver class much much. It, I mean, it's a gap closing re- receiver class if they don't add another guy. Ronan yep. Hannifin takes it to the next level. They have to. Get, and we didn't we didn't dive enough into this during the show. I." completely like, forgot to get into the what's next. The what's next is simple. It's Ronan Hannafin. You've got to get Ronan Hannafin. You cannot afford to miss on Ronan Hannafin. He's too important in this class uh, because he, he caps it off with another very high ceiling, explosive athletic guy that would give this d- roster a huge influx of size and, and good size. Not like everyone's a cookie cutter, 6'4", 220 pound size, different types of size. That's yep. really what's next. But yes, Ryan, I, I felt the same way about Braylon James. I mean, there's two. Rec- well, and then what was it that that um, Rico Flores said in one of the, the the Twitter verses the other day? If the previous staff was here, they're not in this top 10.
3: Yeah, I, know. I mean,
1: I folks, know. You, you're seeing it, right? Like, does everybody finally see it now? This was never a Notre Dame problem, at least not in the last decade and the Lou Holtz's era. During Davies' era, when Notre Dame was kind of fighting against itself, you know, academic people didn't want football to be good, whatever. That has not been the case in a long time. Mm -hmm. I'm not a huge Father Jenkins fans. Nope, everybody knows that. But, But I'll say this. During his and Jack Swarbrick's tenure, they have done everything possible to help the football program, but while staying within the framework of who they believe they are as an institution, this is what Notre Dame has been capable of for a long time. It wasn't the institution that held Notre Dame back. And you're seeing that because I'm going to tell you right now, nothing has changed on the Notre Dame side in this class. Nothing. And you know something Brian Kelly never had to deal with? NIL. True. And the fact that they're doing this just goes to show, number one, the power that Notre Dame has always wielded on the recruiting class. It's just whether or not you're willing to wield it. This yes. staff is, and that's why you're seeing two top 100 players from Texas that when Nerdim got on them in January,
2: we're thinking, too late, way too late, no way. Well, it's a great layer too, Brian, because somebody said it in the chat when we first started, I think. It was like you, they went into Texas, not only got four players, four high-caliber players, they also beat the NIL stuff, right? Like right. they went into Texas and got players – when we know for a fact that a couple of those recruits have been offered NIL money, we big know that NIL big. Money. and Notre Dame was able to beat those schools that were offering big money to a couple of these recruits. So yes, it is the 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 initiative and the grind of this staff. You cannot undersell just how incredible it's been. I know for a fact of are doing least- math. You're doing math. No, I, like it. <laughs> I, I know for a
1: fact of at least five Notre Dame commits that have been offered six figure NIL deals. Two of them play wide receiver. Those are just ones I know of. Yeah. So uh, that is, I mean, that again, that speaks to that. Uh, there's a lot of savvy kids. There's, there's a lot of kids who, who aren't savvy that, that don't have savvy parents. And have parents look for the wrong things, we've discussed that. Mm
3: -hmm. There's a lot
1: more savvy kids with savvy parents than people realize. And that's always been true. And there's parents that we know of that were offered six-figure deals where their parents said, yeah, that may be the best thing for you over the next 12 months. But this is long term. You're only 17. You're only 18. You got to position yourself to be able to make that kind of money. And then some moving forward in the place that gives you the best chance to do that is Notre Dame. That's just a fact. That's exactly how those conversations have gone. And that's why Notre Dame is sitting here with the number one ranked class and the best class they've had. And I mean, to me, this is going to be the best class when it's all also done the best class since the 08 class, if not better. Uh, you know, this is this is, has a chance to end up as the best Notre Dame class they've had in the, the modern era, which to me is like the rivals era, which is like 02. Mm-hmm. And and it's and a lot of it's because Notre Dame wields a lot of power and you have a staff willing to do to use that. And they're not going to get all the guys they wanted, clearly. But nobody does. Sure. And but and what they're doing though, and again, to go out and down to Texas and do that, you know, it, it says it says a lot. It says a lot about what they're about what Notre Dame is doing right now.
2: It's it's a little impressive. It's a little impressive.
1: It, it it's it done suck. Definitely shopping down a different aisle, that's for darn sure. <laughs> Here's a couple really in- – well, here's one. Let's let's do this one first because this is kind of in, in relation to some of this recruiting stuff we've talked about. It's a great question from Notre Dame2164 who recently signed up for the message board. Thank you for that, buddy. Glad to have you. Who will be a better college receiver, Tobias
2: Merriweather or Cardinal Tate? It's interesting. Am I assuming that both players hit their ceiling? That's mm-hmm. my first question. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess I would lean tobias slightly but i I don't want to I mean I really think Cornell is gonna be really good yep. so yeah yep I have Car- I have Carnell with a higher
1: floor mm-hmm. i have Tobias with a higher ceiling that's fair yeah and, and fair. I and I think the the gap in floor is close and the gap in ceiling is close uh, but I think Tobias is taller I think sure. Tobias is faster I think Tobias has a better overall frame and like Carnell he has a lot of he has he has he has a good feel for the game. I think the the thing Cardinal's very strong for his size. He is. He's like not a real big kid, but he's very strong, and I think that's the thing he had over Tobias as a junior. But I, I, look, if I could if I could trade Tobias, if you could say hey, you could get Cardinal Tate, but that means you have to not have Tobias Merrill from last year. There's no way I even think twice about making that deal. I'm like no, thank you, hard pass. And this has nothing to do with Tobias as a young man. I got no issue with Tobias. I mean, with excuse me, with Carnell. I'm no issue with Carnell. You know, but it just it speaks to how good I think he could be. And then there was another question that kind of went along with that, Ryan, uh, that I that I want to bring up because it was kind of asking to put Tobias into this class. I'm going to see if I can find that question. But basically, it's like, how would you rank them? How would you rank the receivers if you included Tobias into this class? How would you rank? Oh, here we go. Uh, this is a super chat from Bailey Brad. Thank you, Bailey Brad. Where would you put Tobias in the twenty twenty three class? So let's just do what we did earlier, mm-hmm. and and here is the caveat: we have to try as best we can to put Tobias as where we thought he was as a junior. I think that's about the only way you can reasonably do it, unless you didn't see yeah. him as a junior. I I, can, I didn't see him. I didn't see him much as a junior, and you can do him yeah. as a senior. And I'll talk about where he was as a junior. But basically, okay. what what are the the ceilings
2: and the the first the floor, then the ceiling for those two players? Okay, so ceiling in the class, I believe I had it at, I'm just trying to think. Um, So I had Braylon James, Ronan Hannafin, Jaden Greathouse, and Rico Flores, right? So now Mm -hmm. we're trying to, wait, or was I working against Cornell Tate here? No, in the 2023 class, sorry. 2023,
1: so you just add Tobias to the 2023. So the 22 and 23 classes together, essentially. Yeah.
2: I would I would say Tobias would slot in as my second on the ceiling, so right behind Braylon James. And the floor, I think he's right behind Jaden Greathouse at number two.
1: We are on the same page with the floor. I have him as the number one ceiling. I, I, Interesting. I, I think I think Tobias is a stud. I do, it, it, and I even have him ahead of Braylon it, as even as a junior. I do. Uh, well, you know what. Actually, no. As juniors, I think Braylon is a, is now thinking about Braylon was more explosive than Tobias as a junior. Tobias took a jump athletically as a senior, and you started mm-hmm. to see it in this spring track season. So, no, i Tobias. Based off junior film, would it be number two and two, number two floor, number two ceiling, or two floor because the one thing Tobias always had he had a great feel for the game. Of the five guys we're talking about, Rico and Tobias are right behind Jade and Great House in regards to route running, feel for the game football IQ. It, it, Tobias was just really skinny as a junior and he wasn't super explosive but I loved him as a player. Uh, he was he was a four and a half star kid for me, you know, coming out. So and when you combine all those kind of things, so f- when I look at him as a senior when he got more explosive, that's when I his ceiling got higher for me. But as a junior now that I rethink cuz I did say junior I, I would say Braylon's still number one for me as far ceiling, and yep. then Tobias would be number two. He is really good, and I think a lot of that I, we didn't talk enough. A lot of folks didn't talk enough about him last year because it was always about the kid that was always visiting somewhere else, and Amorian Walker, and it was always CJ Williams who was uncommitted and you know or committed but then looking around. But Tobias was a, and a lot of people buy into the recruiting rankings. I don't care what the recruiting rankings say. There yep. were not many receivers last year or this year that are better football players than Tobias Merriweather. They're just. With all due respect, there just aren't, in my opinion, my opinion. Let's get to some more questions here, Ryan. We we have some great questions here. Uh, Here's some really good ones. I I like this. Sean Kane. in what order would you rank these Lou Holtz teams that did not win a championship? 89, 90, 92, and 93. Well, the the number one's easy. That's 1989. I mean, that – I pointed this out in the show yesterday, Ryan, mm-hmm. Notre Dame that year. Cause we were talking about uh, our favorite quarterbacks who are our five favorite Notre Dame quarterback or top, top Notre Dame quarterbacks. Vince went with it from a, his favorite list. And I went with more of like best list. So we kind of looked at it from different angles Gotcha. and talking about best. I had Tony Rice, number one head of Brady Quinn, because in two years, T- Tony Rice went 11 and one against teams that finished the year ranked in the top 25. In two bad. years, seven and one against teams that finished in the top 10. He had twice as many wins as against top teams that finished in the top 10. Tony Rice did in two years. Over, over twice as many than Brian Kelly had in 12 years. Now, that's not a shot on Brian Kelly. That's just showing how great Tony Rice was as a winner. Uh, you know, so that 89 team went seven and one against teams that finished the year ranked in the top 25. So that 89 team was phenomenal. I mean, they they won four games against – three games against teams that finished number uh, – in the top five, including they beat number one Colorado by 15 in the Orange Bowl. <laughs> Their only loss was on the road to Miami. So that was a tremendous, tremendous team. So eight, that 89 team – that 89 team, in my opinion, was better than the 88 team. Just the 88 wow. team beat Miami and the 89 team didn't because they played Miami at home one year, not on the other. But 89 for sure. I'd probably put I'd probably put nine the 92 team second, which a lot of people are probably gonna disagree with. The 93 team third, the, the 93 team third, and then the 90 team probably fourth. The 93 team was probably the least talented of those four, if we're gonna be honest. But it was still, I mean, compared to the other, it was really talented, had Hall of Famers on all those teams right? with Bryant Young and Aaron Taylor and Jerome Bettis. But I'd probably put the 90 team third and the 93 team or the 93 team third and the 90 team fourth in in regard to those. Ryan, you, you want to take a swing at that or is that a little bit before your time? I, I was only alive for two of those teams, so okay. I might have to I might have to defer. You're to only alive one. for two of those
2: teams? I'm not really yes. happy with I'm not really happy <laughs> with it right
1: now. I'm sorry. It's I'm okay, you young
2: Hotkins. I mean I know I know I know all the names and the grades on those teams, but I, right. I, I I did not see them with my right. actual eyes. I gotta
1: I gotta put one of those threads back up. There's uh I started a thread this summer and I just haven't got back to it where we were putting the um uh, we were putting sort of like all the YouTube films of all the games from certain seasons. I have a bunch of '93 games on there. I gotta go find. I gotta go find some That's of those '89, '90, '91, '92 teams. Uh, put those games on there because you'll you'll enjoy it. You'll enjoy I'm, it. I'm, I'll,
2: I'll make Caitlin watch it with me at night. There you go.
1: There you go. Hopefully she enjoys that. Hopefully she enjoys that. She
2: lo- she likes football, so
1: she, yep. she'll she'll deal with it. Yeah, I dig. I can dig that. I can dig that. Let's get to some more questions here. We have a we have a lot to get to. Sean Kane, if you could take one offensive player and one defensive player from the Holtz era and put them on this year's team, who would that be? I got Rocket and Bobby Taylor. I'm sorry, if you don't have Rocket on your list, you're oh. not doing this right. Oh. In my opinion, with all due respect a, to
2: Jerome Bettis and Reggie Brooks and all that, like I, I was, I I was going to pick Tim Brown, so I guess mm-hmm. I wasn't going to have Rocket on my list. Oh man! Mm-hmm. Oh man! Oh no!
1: Hey, we're now accepting applications for <laughs> director of recruiting at Notre Dame. Um, I've got first of all, he only had Tim Brown for two two years, eighty six cool. and eighty seven. It counts. And with all due respect to Tim Brown, he wasn't Rocket. And so uh, not that it's a bad choice. Like, like Jerome Bettis isn't a bad choice. Lance Aaron Taylor wouldn't be a bad choice. Reggie Brooks wouldn't be. They'd all be great choices. Rick Meyer wouldn't be a bad choice. Derek Mays wouldn't be a bad choice. There's some great players, but Rocket is just, he's the most dynamic player I've ever seen. He was a special, special player. And in today's spread off, I mean, he would be doing what we're talking about Braden Lindsay doing, mm-hmm. but he'd be doing it with a four to which is <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> It's crazy. Defensive player. He goes Bobby Taylor. Who would you have as your defensive player? Todd, I'm just,
2: Light came, Todd Light came to
1: mind immediately. Yeah, that's, that's who I would have. Because, I mean, you're yeah. talking about who's going to be your corner opposite Cam Hart. And wouldn't that be where we kind of all look? I mean, we could talk linebackers and Michael Stonebreaker, Demetrius Debose, guys like that. Obviously, Bryant Young was a Hall of Fame defensive lineman. Was, that would be an interesting I, I mean,
2: one. I mean, I would love the historical context because I mean, I obviously I remember Bobby Taylor and Todd Light both in the NFL, but mm-hmm. uh, I mean, was who, which one was a better player in college? Oh, Todd, that's Light. Question. Todd, Todd Light, Todd Light, right? Oh, yeah, uh, I, I, I
3: Todd Light was, was a I two-time All-American. Just off the top of my head, yeah, yeah. exactly.
2: To- two-time All-American.
1: I mean, just elite player. Um, wore the biggest shoulder pads that a cornerback has ever worn in the history of football, I think. <laughs> uh, but no, Todd Light was a better player. I mean, you know, like Tom, Tom Carter, you know, being in that conversation. Bobby Taylor wasn't even a cornerback his whole career at Notre Dame. He also played some safety. Bobby Taylor was really good. Uh, Jeff Burris. I mean, look, give me any of those. Give me Tom Carter, Todd Light, or give me Stance Magala. I mean, you know, I mean,
2: that dude could fly. But Todd Light to me was the best corner that I used that to I, I used to really, lo- I used to really like Bobby Taylor when he was in the NFL. Yeah. He was a really good player. Yeah.
1: Now again, we're talking about.
2: Not saying who's the
1: best player, or, or not, not even who the best player. Because to me, the best player the Notre Dame had during that time was on defense was was Bryant Young. Sure, I mean, he, but but like to me, it's like that just makes your strength stronger. Sure. Whereas Todd Light maybe he's a touch behind By as a player, but at a much bigger position of need. And that's kind of that's kind of where I where I come from on why I picked Todd Light in that yeah. instance. Corner would be the no brainer on
2: defense to get one of right. those. Right, and
1: they had some yeah. great ones. I mean, Tom Carter was a first round draft pick. Jeff Burris played some corner during his career. He was more he was better at safety, in my opinion. But uh, you know, Bobby Taylor was a really good corner. But could you imagine that? Where Cam Hart would be your small corner <laughs> if they had Bobby Taylor? That that's that's what it would be. That's crazy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right, some we got some more questions. This is a great, really good questions, but yeah, could you imagine a, a Todd Light type corner opposite Cam Hart and a Rocket <laughs> Ismail type player on offense? That'd be be a lot of like, I mean, you're oh, talking about a in faster the, version in of the Will RPO Fuller. era,
2: like that's insane, yeah. yeah. I mean,
1: he yeah. would be on your team, and Will Fuller wouldn't be your fastest player. That that's I mean, that's that's uh, yeah. Andrew Sakoloski, here's a general football question: Can you explain how colleges signal in plays, both offense and defense? It varies. And varies yeah. from team to team. Um, mm-hmm. Some use I hate, hand signals. I, 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 I hate the right? stupid signs. I hate yeah. the signs yeah. that yep. signaling. and signaling. And they'll, they'll signal in things like personnel group, formation, yeah. and play. That's what the, all those different things mean, basically. Uh, some will still use signals, and you'll have dummy signals and then live signals, and you got to know who's live and who's a dummy. So, like when you have four quarterbacks sitting, they're not all signaling in something, somebody's the dummy. Now, yep. what you may have is, you know, this guy is who we're getting the formation from, and this guy is who we're getting the play call from, or whatever the case may be. It just varies from team to team. To be wristbands, yeah, yep. that's the other one. Oh, is nice. still signaling yep. a number, and the number is okay. Play twenty-four, you know, that kind of thing, and and, and then it,
2: something else might mean a direction, right? Or whatever, right? Yep.
1: So or yeah, because like that's the thing is, like you you give twenty-one, and then you give some kind of you know, because you're gonna have the play call in the formation, or you may say a different formation, but then the play uh some kind of signal that way but uh it's it's different it's different with each with each kid that's what i mean i don't think you could do this in college except maybe down the road when they break off and they're no longer you know if they're not an NCA and it's just like 50 power five teams essentially all, anymore mm-hmm. i wouldn't mind seeing them kind of go to like what the nfl has you can't do that in college because it's just so expensive i mean that's with not
2: the, the, red, the red dot and everything yeah with the yeah, the yeah, thing where you're yeah. hearing
1: from the coach, you just you okay. you you wouldn't be able to do that across all 130 plus teams in NCAA. You just you couldn't right. do it. Notre Dame 2164. How many games do you guys think it will take for Tyler Buckner to hit his stride and really maximize his abilities? I'm gonna let you speak on this because we spent a whole show Did on you? this yesterday. Yeah. It's gotcha. a big part of our show yesterday.
2: I mean, I think Look, he's going to be his second year in the system. I understand that the playing time last year was spent more as in a, in a specialized and simplistic role. But I'm going to say with the everything I've heard of, of Tyler Buckner from an intelligence perspective. I mean, what's fair, Brian? 4 to 5 games and then you're kind of rolling along like to the peak Yeah. Like what, like yeah. from a from a mental perspective, right. I guess.
1: Because what does that mean hitting a stride? To me, Ryan, it means it's when has he stopped finally playing consistent football? I mean, his uh-huh. best game of the year may come in the first three games, but that doesn't mean he's going to consistently be that sure. player. And that sure. Like, he could come out and play lights out against Ohio State, pull off an upset win, and to go play like garbage the next week against Marshall. That's yeah. what sometimes happens with a young player. You know, I mean, that's, you know, but it's – so to me, when I think hitting your stride, it's, it's, it's just where every week you just know this kid's going to – this guy's going to be a guy. And I, mm-hmm. That that's where I look at it, but please continue. Um, I mean, I was just gonna,
2: just... I, yeah, I was just gonna say like that's the first thing that popped in my mind is like four to five games. That's usually like when the game starts to slow down, right? Like where things because I think that's what it is, right? It's like when you get to a point mentally where you're comfortable with everything that's happening around you. That's when the game really starts to slow down. You like you don't have to second guess calls or what or were we in the right formation or all that all the jargon to calling a football play and you can kind of just sit and you just kind of a master of the playbook. I think that's kind of when things really start to slow down for you. So mm-hmm. I was, I just thought like, you know, four to five games is probably yeah. a reasonable thing to, to think that could be possible. I think
1: that's fair. That's good. God country, Notre Dame, barbecue and coffee. Ryan, this one's going to be for you. Okay. Will Landerson at Alabama. If he continues to get better
2: is the best defensive college football player since Wow, that is something where I have to like think about a little bit. Um, best college football player since I mean, so he just came off of, what was it, Brian? Like thirty-four tackles for loss, seventeen right. sacks. I mean, he should have should have won the Heisman if we're being completely honest. But that's he was Alabama's best
1: player last year, hundred. percent But the Heisman play, Heisman Trophy does not go to the best player in college football, and it hasn't for a it long doesn't. time.
2: Well, I, I was just I was just more perturbed that they had Aiden Hutchinson up there, and I mean, if you had a defensive player last year, you had to have Will Anderson, in my opinion. Like that's just,
3: uh, I, yeah,
2: best defensive player though in college football since. See, that's more like you're not asking me who's the best prospect, obviously, right? Like you're asking me who's the best, best college football player. player.
1: I think it's I, easy it, for me.
2: Easy, if if he, you think so? If
1: he makes, because he's going to be a junior this year, right? Yep. If he just makes normal sophomore to junior growth, to me, he's the best defensive player since Indama Sue.
2: Interesting. I think he's.
1: I can. He, I think he can be that dominant. Like, and there's such great I was, players.
2: I was thinking about Luke Keekly because that was. Yeah. I mean, he was mm-hmm.
1: a dude in college, man. Like, he I just think so. Just... He was phenomenal. Yeah. But Manti was pretty good during that stretch as well. Sure. You know, like, but thing the thing for me with Luke Keekly was as a inside, as a basically a middle linebacker. Yeah, you, It was a little easier to avoid that, I think, than a guy who's just rushing a quarterback. I also think that a great pass rusher can impact the game more than a great Mike in the last 20 years. I think that's been true even when Luke Kuechly was playing. I just mm-hmm. think that those kind of guys are just such game wreckers where it, what do you do besides yeah. throw bodies at them, which then opens up so many other things. So that's why I would say, is, and I think Luke Kuechly was a tremendous player. You know, I think Manti had – I mean, Manti's 2012 season was phenomenal.
2: Yeah. You know,
1: Luke Keekley was more consistent than Manti. Yeah. Manti's one best season was arguably as good, if not better, than Luke Keekley's best one season. Luke was a better athlete than Manti yes. was. You know, sure. you go back to, to – to. I mean, there's been some great players in college football, but Indomitian Sue was a complete game wrecker. Yeah. I mean, just – of Trump best defensive lineman I've seen in my
2: adult life. And Dominican Sue was that's fair. I mean, he, he was special. An- Another guy that popped in my head was Patrick Peterson. Patrick Peterson was so good at LSU. Yeah. He's pretty years. good. He was, he so was pretty good. good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess, I guess Sue's a fair one. I mean, because Sue, like he wrecked football games. What was that like, was was his game against Texas where he had like four and a half sacks, five mm-hmm. sacks, or some Something crazy number like that. that? Yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm gonna just... look up
1: his uh, college stats because his his senior his se- like final year stats were just stupid. I'm yeah. gonna here he was. This is again, folks. This is a defensive tackle.
3: <laughs>
1: he had 85 tackles. 20 and a half tackles for loss and 12 sacks. And everyone knew who he was. Right.
2: Like It wasn't like he was a new guy. <laughs> like,
1: Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. I mean, it, and every team knew that's the guy we got to stop. And it just didn't matter. It it didn't matter. I mean, just you couldn't stop him. I mean, and he could, like you said, he could just, for a defensive tackle to take a game over. I mean, the only guy I've seen do that in the last 20 years, the way that he did, uh, is Aaron Donald. Yeah. You know was an interior guy. As an interior guy. And and Aaron Donald, with all due respect, wasn't as good in college as Ndamukongsu. And Aaron Donald had some great numbers in college. I mean, he put up some – I mean, talk about guys putting up silly stats like Will Anderson put up some silly stats this year. There's Mm -hmm. no question about it. Aaron Donald put up some pretty silly stats in his career as well. Uh, His last year at Pitt, he had 28 and a half tackles for loss and 11 sacks. I mean, that's kind of ridiculous. 59 tackles. But Ndamukongsu was just – man, dude, he just was on a different level. And he was well, on a completely different level.
2: Here's a question, because you know, obviously different position, right? So, but Will Anderson just had over 100 tackles. He had like 34 tackles for loss, 17 sacks. If he has anything close to that again, and it, let's even say that he improves and is a has a better year, maybe not statistically, but just from an impact perspective, better player than Indominant Tzu, then I mean that's the question, the next question, right? Like, would he then be ranked ahead of him? is my next mm-hmm. leading question you know like that's would he be ranked ahead of indomitian sue well yeah what do would he be would he be a better player if he took a, a, a just a slight step up and had a similar statistical season again no depends depends what happens in the yeah. big moments is no that, well, that yeah that's part on? of it but the other thing too is yeah. the
1: thing that will Full- will anderson has going again for him that Indomican didn't indomitian played on in some good nebraska teams but they weren't like they weren't like what they used to be, and they weren't like what Will, Will Anderson has. Will Anderson was always going to have a better supporting staff or supporting cast than Indomitian had. But, you know, no, I mean, I'd have to see it. You know what I mean? It's like, Ryan, you you, you throw me the stats. Like, Indomican Sue wasn't dominant because I looked at the stats. Indomitian Sue was dominant because I watched the games and saw this dude is a beast. So I'd have to see it. Like, same with Aaron Donald. I don't think people can a- truly appreciate how good Aaron Donald is until you see the stats
3: yeah
1: right i mean i mean excuse me just by looking at the stats right Mm -hmm. to truly appreciate how good aaron donald is you have to watch it watch him play and you're like wow he's a silly silly player
2: yes yes Uh, someone just put clowny in the chat please no he was not he he was not
1: a great college player he was drafted number
2: one off of potential
1: pure talent pure and talent. that's why he's been an inconsistent like a good but underachieving player in in the nfl he had that big highlight real play but he was not a great college
2: football player he, right. he was he was he, he was really good when he was a sophomore his junior year he packed it in though like he was, yeah. yeah yeah well there was rumblings that he was talking about not even playing that year yeah
1: you know so uh yeah it, that that um uh, no, yeah, that's interesting. It's a good question. Really good. Terrell, question. Terrell Suggs is a good one. I remember Terrell Suggs. He was had like really 20, good. Yeah, sacks I mean, he Charles year. Woodson he was a- and 98 yeah. was what was, was, was a 97, 97 yeah. was a tremendous player. And there's been some great college defensive players. Ty- Tyron Matthew yeah. was a
2: phenomenal player his yeah. last year at LSU before he got suspended. Yep. He was insane that year. He yep. was incredible.
1: Yep. None of them touching Dominicans. <laughs> he was just so good. <laughs> <cool. laughs> Julius Peppers was a phenomenal defensive player in college. I mean, there's been a lot sure. of great players, uh, but that guy was just on a different, just on a different level. In Notre Dame, two one six four. Just want to say that I am super excited to see what Chris Tyree can do as a feature back, and what Estime can do getting a lot of carries. I think they're both going to surprise a lot of people. I, I okay. think especially. To, I, it's sad to say this. Audric Estime has seven career carries. It's crazy. I get the sense that a lot of Notre Dame fans are are, are more expect more from him than Chris Tyree. It's like Chris Tyree is suffering from the, you were a big time prospect and you're not a first team All-American yet. So we're now writing you off, even though you've only played two years, you know, uh, that's kind of how it feels going on with him. But yeah. So, but yes, I, Ryan, my, my bold, I guess, I don't know, hot take bold prediction or whatever is if they stay healthy, that's going to be one of the best one, two punches in college football this year.
2: I accept it. I accept just
1: saying healthy, not like play out of their minds, just stay healthy because you're going to have a great O-line, in my opinion, at least a very good one. Let's just say a very good offensive line. And right. I and I don't think we can, we should be able to – we should discount how the impact of Tyler Buckner as a runner and playmaker is going to have a huge impact on those guys. And I love the complimentary style that they bring to the table, Ryan. I absolutely love the complimentary style.
2: Thunder and lightning, baby. It's, a, yeah. it's perfect. It's perfect. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: All right, let's get down to some more. Here's a here's one. I love this one. God, country, Notre Dame, uh, barbecue, and coffee. One question for my wife. She wants to know what to do if she thinks I love Notre Dame more than her. Um, I don't know. If I got I got anything for you there.
2: Um, take her on a date. Yes, you got
1: it. yes. I think you, what you do is is you um, <laughs> you got to make some kind of Notre Dame sacrifice, right? Like some kind of hey, you know what? IB's about to start. Um, you know what? Let's instead go to lunch or something like that. You know, I think you're gonna make some kind of gesture like that. And I think it's about the only, about the only way to do it, man. But just tell her you don't love Notre Dame as much as her. Just tell her, you know, look, world's crazy, a lot going on, everything's stressful. Sometimes I just need an escape from it. And that's what Notre Dame is for me. I think that's probably the best, the best thing you can use. But if I had to choose, sweetheart. I would always choose you, and if she really loves you, she's never going to make you choose that.
2: And also, so. you could probably you could change your name again to Wife, God, Country, Notre Dame, there Barbecue, and Coffee. It's always uh, she's always God, first, first, first. Wife,
1: Country, Notre Dame, Barbecue, Coffee. There you go. Happy,
2: happy wife, happy life. Okay, you know? Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's one more person I try to please more than my wife. And <laughs> it's that- fair. So that would be the Almighty. Here's an interesting one, Ryan, that I wanted to ask you about. For myers yeah. Courtney not can you compare Kevin Austin and Jaden Greenhouse? Uh, nah, they're they're nowhere similar to me. They're um, similar in one area: have similar okay. size profiles, six two two ten. That's about it. I,
2: yeah, I, I mean, I even think Kevin's longer than Jaden, yeah. right? Jayden's like, thicker. I mean, a little taller, and Jane's thicker already than but Kevin, Kevin was. This is and... a six
1: two two ten, and Jaden's this yeah. is a 6'2", 210. To me, sure, that's, that's about it. Very different games. Kevin's more explosive. Yep. Jaden's a far more advanced player. I mean, Jaden's a better route runner as a junior in high school than Kevin Austin was as a senior in college. Sure. That's not it. necessarily Kevin's fault. That's just the reality of the comparison. Right. I, I
2: think I would I would say that Braylon James is more comparable to Kevin Austin than yeah. Jaden Greathouse is from a vertical, vertically oriented long athlete. I'll say this if
1: Jaden Greathouse had Kevin Austin's explosiveness. He'd Be a top ten college, high school recruit. Agree. I mean, agree. He, he he would. He'd be he'd be in the Julio Jones, Michael Floyd, AJ Green level from team. He'd average.
2: He would average thirty yards a catch instead of twenty it's yards insane. a catch. I mean, yeah,
1: <laughs> I agree. If he had if he was a, a low four four kid, and the explosiveness that 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 Kevin Austin brought to the table, he'd he'd be he'd be unstoppable. He'd be phenomenal. No doubt. He absolutely <laughs> phenomenal.
0: John
1: Wayne's Winchester, uh, born in 1987. So my formative, I just think it's hilarious that somebody was born in 1987, who, which means he's in his 30s, if I'm doing this math correctly, <laughs> right? Uh, is got John Wayne's Winchester as his avatar. I think it's hilarious. Uh, which event could have had a, this is a great question, by the way, because there's a lot of talk about in the chat. Which event could have had a greater impact on changing the course of the program? The BC win in 93, or the USC win in in 2005, Ryan. I'm gonna let you go first because I actually I have a very strong answer on this one. I want to hear
2: what you have to say first. Do you? Um, mm-hmm. I would say USC in 05. I don't, I'm not sure. I, I think it's USC in 05, though. I mean, it's
1: okay. State your case because so far, so good.
2: I, I don't know, because I, I, I remember the game vividly, and it was just the momentum of the Notre Dame program at that point. You were just like, it was for the first time in years that you felt like Notre Dame was on their way back, you know? And it was just, because I feel like 93 is just a continuation of the golden era, right? Like you were, you were still a good team in 92 and 90 and 89, and a great team, not a good team, a great team. Notre Dame in 2005, they were a bad football program for a few years and then 2005 it was like momentum back momentum back cool and then it was just kind of like that was like the last like i mean not big moment because they were a pretty good team the next year but like that was the big moment to beat what was almost a dynasty right like usc was a great team at that time so that's just why it popped in my head well
1: i kind of feel like the 93 a championship in 93 Mm -hmm. all it does is solidify the the program of what they were i think it would have made them a a true dynasty a second title with uh, you know 88 93 would have capped two titles in what 89 90 uh 91 so two titles in six years you had a couple other you had at least one other number two finish right i think it would have just put in it would have been the end of it still would have been the end of the Holtz run but it would have ended in more impressive fashion because he was still going to have the health problems that he had, his wife was still going to have the health problems she had. He still made the same hiring mistakes that he would have made. The championship game would that one BC game would have changed that. And at the end of the day, the school was still going to be anti-football in a lot of ways, and and they didn't like some of the some of them didn't like Lou. That wasn't going to change just because they won a title in '93. So I don't think the trajectory of the program would have changed a whole lot. Maybe, the only maybe is, maybe with a second title, Lou might have been able to have more say in his replacement, which meant Barry Alvarez might have gotten hired, maybe gotten hired. The reason I think, Ryan, you are 100% correct about the 05 is, is I think that the 05 would have had a, it would have given Charlie maybe a better chance for success because I think that team would have had a chance to play for a title. You know, it would have been them, Ohio State, or Penn State as the number two against Texas. And, you know, I think Notre Dame would have been more competitive against – I think Notre Dame would have been every bit as competitive against Texas as they were against USC. I think Ohio State was a really bad matchup for Notre Dame. And even then, Notre Dame was competitive in that game for a good chunk of the game. And the reason I say that is, is Texas had a really good defense, like, from a talent standpoint, but they weren't necessarily a really good defense. I think Charlie would have shredded Greg Robinson's defense. Now, Vince Young would have shredded the Notre Dame defense, and I still think Texas wins that game. But I think I think Notre Dame would have put up a great game, and then how does that impact kind of who they become moving forward? Maybe that helps them get some recruits. Maybe it helps them that. But I, I, I think that there would have at least given Charlie a better chance for success. But I think Notre Dame playing for a title would have just kind of changed the energy around the program. And, and that's why I say, I say 2005. I don't think either of them honestly would have necessarily had huge changes on the direction of the pro like Charlie Weiss was not going to all of a sudden win a national championship in 09 because of beating USC in 05. I just think it would have made things a little bit better for him. I, I don't think anything changes in 93 other than just our perception of the Lou Holtz era a little bit. Cause he had the second title. I don't think anything that came afterwards would have changed. In my opinion, after that,
2: beating so, USC would have been insane, though. That team was yeah. phenomenal, you know, yeah. like just crazy good.
1: Yeah, they, they, yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, that, that would have been a thing is like you'd have had that win to look at, right? You'd have had that win to talk about. The Spanky with a super chat. Thank you, Spanky. There's absolutely no question they're in place for the title if they beat USC. Ohio State had, had two losses. So I I think the only one that would have uh, – let me look and see where Penn State was. I can't remember where Penn, – Penn State was really good that year, and I remember them yeah. beating Ohio State.
3: I think they, they had, had a loss at lost. Michigan.
1: Yeah. yeah. They, had a, they, had, they beat number 18 Minnesota. So at the end of the year, Penn State was number three going into the Florida State game. And let us see where Ohio State was. Ohio State had the, the loss to Texas and the loss to Penn State, so they were number not, they were number four going into the postseason. Penn mm-hmm. State was number three, so it would have been Penn State. Based on that, it would have been Penn State or Notre Dame. But I I gotta think because this is what you have to look down to, right? Like Penn State and and Notre Dame both would have had huge wins. Right. And Notre Dame's win would have been over Ohio State and Penn State's win would have been. I mean, excuse me, uh, Penn State's win would have been over Ohio State and Notre Dame's win would have been against uh, against USC, which was the better win. The question, however, would have been which loss do you have more respect for? Because Penn State lost by two points at Michigan. It was a decent Mm -hmm. Michigan team that year. They weren't great, but they were decent. Whereas Notre Dame that year lost at home to a Michigan State team that went five and six. That's the potential downfall of that team, but uh, you know we'll, we'll have to see. So I, I think it would have been close. The time ty- the, the thing is is that, however, here's the big caveat: rankings back then put a lot on when you lost. Notre Dame's loss would have been what third game of the year, fourth game of the year. Penn State's loss came almost a month later, I believe. So mm-hmm. that had been the other the other aspect of it. So I I yeah I. That's a good. That's a good question. But I think it would have been Penn State or Notre Dame. My guess would be Notre Dame, but I can't say definitively that it would have been Notre Dame.
2: It would have been a close one. I, I forgot that comparison. Ohio State
1: lost to Texas that year. I always forget that. I know. I remember them losing to Penn State. I just always forget that they lost to Texas the beginning that year. I, I don't remember that either. Yeah. Archer four five two, resident Ohio State fan. CBS Sports asked this, and I thought it would be good for the mailbag. What is one game you would change the outcome of? in my lifetime? I mean, yeah. that I remember vividly. I have two. I have two. It, I have yeah. two. I'm going to answer pre Brian Kelly. What's your answer. And then what's the one era. Uh, what's the one game you could change the outcome
2: of for Notre Dame that, that I remember watching. It would be you US, at USC would be the one mm-hmm. pre Brian Kelly. That, that one's a pretty mm-hmm. easy one. I mean, <laughs> any of the playoff games, <laughs> I guess. Right. I mean, like uh, Alabama, Clemson, like, uh, you know, whatever, like it,
1: I mean, it, it, for me, if you're just talking about the title on the line, it's the sure. 2012 Bama game. I'm going to go a little different That's, angle there.
2: Oh, good point. I've completely forgot about that. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. I'm going
1: to go back to the pre-Kelly era. It's not USC for me. It's BC in '93. Because if Notre Dame beats it's it's one of two games, pick one: mm-hmm. beating Miami in '89 or beating BC in '93. I'll ask oh. all of you. If you could change the outcome of one of those two games, which one would you change? Would you change the outcome of the 89 game at Miami that Notre Dame lost? Or would you change the 93 game against BC? The reality is I think Notre Dame wins the title both years if they win those games. So which game would you all say that you would rather have changed? 93 BC or 89 Miami? And we're getting both answers. So I think part of that might be age. Some of those people like just barely remember. <sighs> so Chief Brody, here's the thing. I don't think that would have changed a ton, to be honest with you. I think if, let's just say hypothetically that, that they come out in that game and AJ McCarron pulls a Tua on like first or second drive and throws a pick six and that lets Notre Dame kind of get in the game and Notre Dame eventually pulls off the upset. Notre Dame wins a title. It's huge, right? It changes that. But I don't know if it necessarily would have, like, I still think Notre Dame kind of goes nine and four the next year, right? Because they were still a flawed program, not a great coaching staff, top to bottom. You just, I just don't know. I don't know if it would have changed everything. I think the game to me that could have had the bigger changing the face of the program game and and just bear with me here, because I think a lot of you are rightly looking at the one beat Bama and it's a title. I get that. Completely get that. But for me, it's 2017 Miami. I believe that if Notre Dame goes on the road in 2017 and beats Miami, that they would have beat Stanford two weeks later. And that team would have gone to the playoff. And they would have had the same confidence they had going into the Miami game. And I have said this before. From the 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 second half of BC, so this came the week after Georgia, from that stretch through Wake Forest, Notre Dame was an elite football team because they were doing what the great teams do. They weren't just beating good teams. They were destroying people. I mean, they went on the road against a 10 and three Michigan state team and beat them by 20. And it wasn't that close. They beat an 11 win USC team 49 to 14. And it could have been worse. You know, they beat an NC state team. They ran for over 300 yards against an NC state team. Whose entire starting defensive line was drafted in the fourth round or higher. Yep. Like they were destroying people. People were pissed that they allowed Wake Forest to get within 11 in that game. You know, and that was a game Wake Forest kind of came back and got it to 11. That team was dominant and they they would have got they would have beat Georgia in a rematch. I have no doubt they would have beat Georgia in a rematch. And and I definitely think they would have beat that Bama team in 2017. That was that was one of Saban's worst teams, and without question, his best coaching job. That was a great coaching job by Nick Saban in 2017. Was that Jay Coker?
2: I, was that the Jay Coker? No, year? that was that oh. was
1: uh, the game where that was the year where Jalen Hurts got benched for Tua. Oh, for Tua, and got Tua it, hit De- Devonte Smith in the end zone uh, got it, got in, in overtime. I, I think Notre Dame would have would have won a title that year. And somebody said Clemson 2015. I still don't think that changes everything because I think that was a flawed team because of Van Gorder. They would have probably still lost to Clemson. They would have gotten embarrassed in the postseason by, by somebody in 2015. I don't think that changed. I think that 2017 team, because you had a much better coaching staff, you had Mike Elko as your D coordinator, you had Clark Lee coaching linebackers, you had Harry Heestand coaching the line, Chip Long as your own. I think that team – had everything except the head coach to compete for a title that year. Now that 17 team does not win a title in 2018, but in 2017, I think that team could have beat anybody if they had the same confidence they had going into the Miami game. I truly believe that if they if they would have done to Miami and I and I and it all goes to one play. And I'm not saying I'm not blaming Brandon. I'm just the one play. If Brandon Wimbush hits Equinemia St. Brown on that post route on the first drive of the game and they score and jump up, immediately jump up on Miami, Miami folds. And and that and Notre Dame never mentally recovered from that embarrassing loss. I think that team goes to the play, because they were the three seed at the time. They were the number three ranked team in the in the Cubs football playoff rankings. And then they would have had a, a, a win over a top 10 Miami team on the road. And then a top twenty-five Stanford team on the road, they'd have been the two seed. Georgia would have been the one seed. Notre Dame, I think, would have been the two seed. And I think Notre Dame would have would have, I think that Notre Dame team would have smacked Alabama. I think they'd have smacked Alabama. And, you know, I think the only team that could have beaten Notre Dame that year is Oklahoma. I do. I really do. I
2: I have tried to forget that Miami game. If I'm being understandably so, (laughs) understandably so.
1: But I think the thing is, like for me, that championship would have sent Notre Dame in a different direction than the first one. In 2012, they still had the crap grass field. They said the stadium's still old. You know, like we're 17. As things were starting to kind of turn around, facilities wise, they had a better coaching staff. The school was making even more commitments. All these kind of things. I think that th- that team, all of a sudden, you win a title there. I mean, think about how they've recruited since then, even with all the other issues that they've had. You know, yeah. and and the other thing is maybe Brian Kelly leaves sooner. You know, I mean, who, who knows? But then again, you you don't know, get Marcus Freeman and all that. But I, I really believe, I really believe they would have. And somebody said they want to smack the Bama. I'm just telling you, I don't care about Brian Kelly being the head coach. That Notre Dame team had way better players that year, in my opinion, top to bottom, than Alabama did. I just, I mean, that team, that team, that was the one team I've ever seen that could have pushed Alabama around, in my opinion. There's no doubt, but we'll never find out because they went down to Miami, and laid an egg. And sure did. That's the reality. Of it. But the thing, Jason, too, to remember is, if they'd have beat Miami, it's because Brian Kelly would have done things differently, and that's why they lost. Right where with Notre Dame in '93 and '89 is like a fluky play here or there, but those teams had the foundation to be great. And that's ultimately why Brian Kelly never would have won those games is because, and that's why a lot of them weren't. I mean, think about it, in 93 and 89, it's, if you just stop that third and 43 in 89, you might beat Miami. If you just, you know, make one stop against BC or something like that, you know, 05 USC. If, if Darius Walker just doesn't run out of bounds, or if they just don't give up the four, I mean, Ugh. they were all close games. The difference in the Kelly era, all these games we're talking about, none of them were close, none sure. of them were competitive it's because, fair. because of what Jason said, Brian Kelly was your head football coach. And that's the difference. So, uh, really good discussion. Really good discussion. Sean Kane, uh, here we go. Actually, let, let them chat that. That was a question not directed at us. Let's see here. 99 B BK1. Did Arch committing to Texas cost Jade to think even for a second about Texas? Also, did Narim's lack of a 23 quarterback cause him any concern? And if so, did
2: CJ committing alleviate that concern? I mean, I think that we should start with the last question, right, Brian? I think that CJ's definitely alleviates some concern, I would say. I I think for me, though, I think that we got to a point in the Jaden Greathouse recruitment where it was just nobody was like Notre Dame has just separated themselves so much mm-hmm. that because we have talked about it, he had an intention to go into the fall after a point and then it quickly changed because I think he just was like mm, no, nah, like I, I, I don't need to think about anything anymore. You know, like there's just such a separation here. So, I, I don't think that it was ever that close for Jaden to sway away from Notre Dame over the last like month and a half, two months. Like I just don't mm-hmm. think it was, but I do think that getting a five-star quarterback, even though it's a year behind you, I think that that helps for right. sure. Yeah, I, th- I think that alleviates some of the worry. I would think, yeah, uh,
1: I do. I, do I think that Arch committing to Texas would have had it made him st- – I don't think so. I don't think that really – Because I think by that point in time, like Ryan said earlier, Texas was – I mean, this is what we said about – I mean, we've said this in the past, Ryan. I know for a fact we've said this in our shows. There really wasn't a number two with Jaden Greyhouse. really. No. I mean, that's the thing is he's just a smart, thoughtful kid that – that I, I think if he'd have gone into the season, I think if he would have picked not- – if he goes into the season and doesn't end up with Notre Dame, I actually don't think the team he picked
2: would have been one that's on as the final four. I think somebody else would have got involved. And I'll say, I'll it. say this. Texas is the one that people are always going to bring up because the, you know, True. from Texas, all that, blah, blah, blah. I was much more worried about South Carolina yep. than I was with Texas, much yep. more worried about South Carolina. Two reasons. Personally. Shane Beamer.
1: People forget sure. he was a, he was, he recruited the state of Texas hard when he was at Oklahoma. Yep. And they had a nice package. I'll just leave it <laughs> at that, right? And, uh, yeah, I would agree with you on that. I agree with yep. you on that. I, but I really don't think there was a two. I, I, that's why I said I, I don't want it to go in the season because I, I didn't think going into the season, I wasn't worried about, oh, Spencer Rattler's going to do this and he may want to go to that. No, sure. I was afraid that Bama or Georgia or Ohio State or somebody like that was going to jump, but not Ohio State now. But, like, I was much more concerned about that being a factor. USC gets involved and they're out there throwing for 5,000 yards or whatever. That mm-hmm. had me a lot more concerned than one of the three teams on the list. And honestly, Texas didn't recruit him super hard. Now, I think that's a mistake. But, I, you know, Texas didn't make a super hard run at Braylon James. Now, maybe that's because they knew they weren't going to get him and they wanted to make it look like, well, we we don't really want him anyway. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. But, uh, you know, I I, they just they didn't push hard for him. And I don't think Braylon – I don't think Jake – because they were the big competition early. They started backing off, I mean, from what my source of fit, around – April, May, kind of this around the time when everybody kind of thought Notre Dame was leading for Great House. Maybe that's the case. I don't. I mean, that we'll, we'll never know. I guess we'll never know. All right, let's get to some more some really good questions here today. This is a good one, Ryan. Yeah. Yep, Brian and Ryan. What game, not involving Notre Dame or a team on Notre Dame schedule, are you
2: most looking forward to this season? Man, I that one might be one. I have to do a little research on. I don't. Yeah. Outside of the Notre Dame spectrum of the schedule, I haven't really looked. For me, deeply. it's an it's an early season game about a team we're just. I'm really looking forward to seeing that
1: Texas Alabama game. I'm huh. really looking forward to seeing that. I mean, there's always the in conference games, you know. There's Ohio State and Michigan. I'm looking forward to seeing just how bad is Michigan going to get destroyed by Ohio State this year. Like, I can't <laughs> wait to see that. You know, I mean, there's going to be some 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 conference games that are big. I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing the all the Big Twelve games and how they handle Texas and Oklahoma. Like, do they boo the mess out? I mean, who knows? Those are all interesting. <laughs> that's but, good one. but honestly, the biggest game for me that I'm looking forward to the most that's not Notre Dame involved uh, is 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 going to be the one I just said. I think the two biggest non-conference games on the docket this year are Notre Dame and Ohio State, and mm-hmm. then Texas and Alabama. And Texas doesn't even have to win to make an impact. They just—if it looks like it, the LSU game did in '19. I think that could be a big boost for Texas because I think okay. this Texas team has better players than that '19 Texas team did. It's—I it, definitely think it has better coaching. I just think they need to learn how to compete at that level. And if you look at a lot of Texas's losses last year, they were games they should have won. I mean, Texas should have been ten and two last year, in my opinion. Nine and three, ten and two last year. this when you think how many games they just pissed away in, at the end. I mean. You know, if they, that's the kind of game where if they can learn how to win or at least learn how to compete, it could have a very similar effect for them, like the loss that Notre name had in Georgia in 2017. We're like, you know what? We're really good. We just got to clean some stuff up and we can go do this thing. So that's a game, and plus it's two legends, and it's for the first time in a long time, Alabama is playing a road, a, a true non-conference road game. I don't think they've done that since Penn State in 2011, but they're going to Daryl K. Royal, I believe. I believe that game is at Daryl K. Royal. And so that's something else we haven't seen in a long time, Ryan, that adds even more intrigue to that game. It's not a neutral site game like all their other non-conference games have been in the last decade.
2: Right. So that's a – That is – it's an interesting one because I do think that Texas has some dudes at wide receiver running back, and I, I think that they have the ability to score against Alabama. My biggest thing, Brian, is like, Texas offensive line is just gonna be bad, man. Like, it's not gonna be, it's not gonna be great. It's not gonna be great. The defense, eh, we'll see. I don't know, but yeah, I I do want to see the Michigan Ohio State game to see the revenge game from Ohio State. (laughs) That's gonna be fun. That's gonna be fun. Yeah.